spend just a few minutes writing down very quickly, there may even be vague impressions, vague thoughts, what's your vision of a perfect local church? All right, what's your vision? It could be, it, you could focus on the building. What's a, what's a new building look like? Okay, I don't, I'm not going to get too much into theology if it's a people. Just think about the building. Okay, think about the building. What's that like? Think about its architecture. Think about um, the membership requirements of such a perfect local dream church. Think about the worship style, the community life. What do you do outside of that building? All right, so these are things you can start to have a little. So you must have had thoughts over the years about what you would like and what you'd like to see. So why don't you just start to fill that in? Give you two minutes. If if that, I'll give you a minute. I'll give you sixty seconds. Bob down your first thoughts. All right. Okay. I'm gonna. You can stop there. Stop there. Stop. There. You can. You can take it home and fill in later if you want. After you've heard what I'm about to say about it. Can you, somebody give me a shout out? Just a point. One point you've made. If 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 you if you're brave enough and happy enough. Go on, Sarah. That's great. That's super. But we're not we're not doing that stuff. Not yet. I want you to be really, you know, what do I want? What was you? Go on. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's such a good answer. Such a good answer. A coffee shop? You'd like a coffee shop? I know, it's not it spiritual, Sarah, I know, but you know. Multi-purpose. The building is multi-purpose. Can you give me more? Uh, Christine. A modern warm building. You're thinking of buildings of old, aren't you? Suitable for our needs. Yeah, so, so, so adaptable. Adaptable. Uh, anything above, beyond, I know I didn't mention the church, uh, the church building. Anything beyond the church building? Every spiritual gift and ministry finding its Every, every spiritual gift and ministry finding its expression. I still feel guilty about it. I felt like I shot you down. I didn't mean to, Sarah, at all. You just, you're so lovely. You did. Yeah, that's that's page five. Yeah, that's page five. You're so good at this, Sarah. Where, where else? Where are we over here? Uh, family, unity, so, expressing love. And family, unity, expressing love, feeling. Okay, that's kind of the community thing. Just give me one. Encouraging, supportive, and a praying people. Okay, Pat. Performance, <laughs> space, and good sound system. Yeah. Come on, anybody over here? Mike. Yeah. Ooh. Do you want to just say, say that for the recording, Mike? Okay. A fellowship of mixed race, age, and social standing with a heart for expanding the kingdom through spiritual and social enterprise. Oh, so good. So good, yeah. You've done a picture of a house, church in the home, in any street. Okay, that, 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 is, that is part of it. Absolutely, I like it. All right, I'm going to stop there, otherwise, because, you know, once you get going, it's like, yeah, we can dream of everything. Um, does any of what you've written or what you've said look at all like Freedom Church? Some of it certainly does, doesn't it? I think we've all got an idea of, of what our dream church looks like. I certainly have, even if it is just a vague impression with a, with a few thoughts. Um, and, and there is a good chance 
that a lot of what, what you've written down probably isn't what we're doing as Freedom Church. A lot of stuff I can certainly hear and see we are doing, but I think ultimately um, Freedom Church doesn't particularly tick all the boxes on a lot of those lists, at least not yet, uh, if ever, I, I think. And, and this is the focus of, of this new series. It's, it's called Uncomfortable. And I think really it's a continuation of, of the We Are a Church or we are church series I did a little while back. Do you remember that? I've discovered that God has really... Um, they say that preachers kind of have a few things that they bang on about consistently. And I've discovered that mine is the church, the local church, which represents the body of Christ. And he keeps bringing me back to it. So I make no apology. That's, that's what you're going to get from me, uh, together with discipleship. Uh, in this series, there's an overarching question that I want us to ask ourselves. What are we to make of the fact that following Jesus... As believers, if we're believers, Jesus can lead us into uncomfortable and awkward situations. Being a, a follower of Jesus can bring uncomfortable and awkward questions from those outside of the church. And the Christian life, especially when it comes to uh, being part of the local church community, can, can bring discomfort, it can bring awkwardness. But, a big, big but, capital B, God can and will use these challenges to help us get to know him better. He really does use every challenge that you're, you're, you're put up against to, to help us get to know him better. I completely believe that. So rather than attempting to find our dream church, I think we should embrace the uncomfortable and difficult parts of Christian life. A life that by default means that we're connected to others. Uh, and people can be awkward. <laughs> uh, and in some cases, it can be downright peculiar. <laughs> some people say, that about me, that's fine. Maybe that's because of something that they do. Maybe it's a challenge, actually, that they present to us just by them being them. Uh, and this is a good challenge. Uh, it's a challenge that we might find uncomfortable, but ultimately will help bring us to maturity. So today I want to set up this series then by looking at, at two passages, or two clumps of passages that can help shape the way we think about life in the church. All right, so we're going to read 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5 and verse 9, and it's in your little booklet, so it's right there, but I'll read it out. And interesting, the, the word that you brought just a few moments ago, Liz, when I read this. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his living stones who are being continually assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, but you are God's chosen treasure. Wow! Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast, I love that word that he used in this translation, broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. It's from the new Passion, it's from the Passion Translation, a little bit addicted to that version right now. I just love the way it puts some things. Uh, by the way, you can buy those over at the book table for just £20. <laughs> so this, 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 um, this is a letter from Peter, 
All right. So, so, and, and Peter is someone who I think we can all have some sympathy with. Uh, because out of all the disciples, he seems to be the one that runs through a whole spectrum of, of human emotion. It, prone to bad decisions and mistakes. But actually, ultimately, coming out the other side of it all as one of the few who truly knew Jesus. And the forgiveness that he offers us all. And seriously, if you don't know him, if you don't know Peter from scripture, I suggest you get to know him. Uh, But let me tell you, he denied Jesus a few times. In some circumstances, he might be described as cowardly. But in other instances, very brave. He might have had some anger issues. (laughs) And was quite impulsive. At least he attempted acts of faith, even if a lot of the time they ended in, in failure. And Jesus even told him off a bunch of times. Yet here was this guy whom helped form much of the early church. Performed by the power of the Holy Spirit, a load of miracles that we read about in scripture. And gave what might be called the second best sermon in the Bible after Jesus' sermon on the mount. And that was, the, that was on the day of Pentecost. The day that a lot of people, and I quite like the idea... It's it's the church's birthday. It's when it truly began. Jesus, despite all those things I've just said about Peter, ultimately called him what? He called him his rock. He called him his rock. Someone who, despite all that he had been, was now someone with resilience and stability. And for me, I love it because it means there's hope for us all. (laughs) Despite who we are and what we are. So here's Peter. Here's we got. We've got Peter. He's writing to various churches. And they're experiencing different forms of of persecution. And in these passages, he's sharing what it really means to be the chosen people of God. Just like Jesus was the the living stone rejected and discarded by humans, but chosen by God and priceless, so it says. Christians, again, referencing what you just said, were to be living stones that are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. It says, for now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. That's cool, isn't it? And I love the idea that we're being continually assembled into a place that God can inhabit. It's like some kind of heavenly Ikea. That's what, that's what I thought about when I read it. We're a flat pack sanctuary. But just like earthly Ikea flat packs, we're actually pretty easy to assemble. It's just that sometimes like this stuff, we try and rush ahead. We've done it before, we know what we're doing. Or we miss out the page. Um, and we don't read the instructions right. And, and we get a little bit confused then. And we, then we build something, you know, coming back to this, that really it isn't what God actually intended at all. And I guess my analogy is that, that, that we sometimes overcomplicate we, we our faith so much and try and add so much to it and so many bits and bobs. We try and find things from other IKEA packs to put into the one we've already, we're already assembling. And that's why we get confused. But anyway, coming back to the real meaning of this verse, though, though Peter's representing an image of a community that's focused entirely on who? On Jesus. Nothing else. It is a community that puts aside personal preferences, arguments, and comfort zones for the sake of becoming, we say it again, living stones. Ultimately, a house. In fact, 
a street of houses from whom the, the Holy Spirit can, can go to and fro. It's a community, isn't it? The entire purpose of that community, uh, described here as a holy or spiritual nation, is to, and it says, to call people out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. We are a people that God claims as his very own. And he's completely entitled to do that. He is God. You are his. He did this, the Bible says, so that we would what? Again, that line that I like, we would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. We, 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 wouldn't, we don't hide the light under, uh, uh, what do you call it, a cover. <laughs> the phrase has gone out of my head. Thank you. We don't hide the light. Let's just leave it that. We don't hide the light. We're to be bright and shining and broadcast it. So everybody knows who you put first. Everybody knows who is the Lord of your life, who is your best bud, who is the person that you go to whenever you've got any issues or struggles. He's the person who you go to when you don't have any issues or struggles and you just want to spend time with him. You broadcast that to the world. It's all about knowing God, isn't it? Worshipping him as king. And this is really contradictory to the consumerist approach that, that we can sometimes have to Christian community. Which places our personal desires for what we think church should be like on the throne. And actually tempts us to, to walk away from communities that don't meet all our, our standards. The reality, of course, I hate to break this to you, is the dream church doesn't really exist. It doesn't really exist. If you thought that, I'm sorry to, to bust, to bust your, your news this morning. Uh, the reign of King Jesus, however, is very real. Uh, and eternal. And, and becoming living stones that are acceptable to God should be our ultimate aim. That's all that we should really be focusing on. Let me, let me give you a little illustration. Before I became a Christian, some of you know this, so forgive me if you're hearing this again, but it's good to remind you. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't know what church was. Church represented by a, a, the local church. Maybe, again, I had some kind of vague impression what, what it was, but to be honest, church, as far as I was concerned, it was just a typical church building. I had no idea. I didn't have a clue about the theology of it being the people. It was, it was that spired building that we see in every town and village. And this is what I mean by that. Let me, let me break that down for you. A new church involved singing hymns. But I had no idea that we had this thing called contemporary Christian music. That blew my mind when I first discovered that actually was, was a thing. There was, there was no HMV Christian contemporary music section when I was growing up. Blew my mind. I knew that the Bible existed, obviously I knew that, everybody knows that. But I didn't know there was this plethora of of translations that were out there, all trying to help us understand God's word better. I thought every every Bible had a ton of these and thous and thus saith the Lord. I thought that's what the Bible was written like. This is genuine, folks. I didn't know. And I'm an intelligent person. I like to think so who's always watched documentaries and TV and read books and learned about the world. But outside of your bubble, there are lots of people out there who have exactly the same impressions as me, as I had. And, and finally, I thought that every minister had to wear a dog collar. Can you imagine me in a dog collar? Once upon a time, I really wanted John Casey over there to wear a dog collar, because I think he'd make an amazing-looking vicar. <laughs> I mean, look at him, look at him, he just looks like a vicar. 
You didn't marry Vicky. <laughs> but this is the, I didn't know. I didn't know that you could, you could listen to some exciting, charismatic preachers like me. No. <laughs> When I, when I started to discover that the, the, the church, more like the church, I, I remember being really shocked to the core. Really, I mean, it blew me away. This thing that you call speaking in tongues. It's quite frankly a bit weird. A non-Christian perspective. You tell somebody that you're going to shabba dabba do to God, they're like, What? Say what? Like I, when I heard about it, this was the first and almost the final straw <laughs> in my in my early tentative relationship with with the church community. And guess who that church community was, folks? Yeah, it was you. <laughs> you bunch of weirdos. <laughs> it was you. You cult. <laughs> I didn't tell you that at the time, <laughs> but it did cross my mind. And and. I got, over, I got over the shock of, of this thing called speaking in tongues uh, eventually. And again, I, I read about it. I, I, I learned, I, I, I watched, I talked. I, I, I wanted to understand it. What is it? What is this thing? Because actually, what was important to me that I got to know you guys, all those of you who were around back then, even though you did this weird thing, um, you were actually okay, I discovered. You were all right, people. And actually, I could have sensible conversations with you uh, and, and actually feel genuinely accepted for the first time in my life. So I, I got to love this church. First, I liked it. Then I, then, then I grew to love it. Despite, and this is despite, being freaked out by speaking in tongues. And I gave my life to Christ and I became involved in the church and I, for, for a number of years and I still thought it was a bit weird. I would argue theology with some folks about, now. I don't think you need to do it anymore. Um, but the thing is, wh- where, where would I be now if I'd have let that be the thing that made the decision whether I wanted to be part of church or not? Where would I, what would I be doing right now? Well, I'm not sure I'd be, I'd have married Kath. I don't think that would have happened because she was the one that told me about it. On the back of a bus, to which I jumped to the, I, I represented that. She was sat there and I was sat there. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who'd be leading this church right now? That's a question, isn't it? What, what would have happened? What would have gone on there? If, if my personal preference for something a bit more, in quotes, normal, I, what I thought church should be like, had been my overriding decision-making factor. But here's the thing. I let my, my love for Christ and the exciting life that I knew he had planned for me be the thing that kept me connected. It wasn't just John over there. Just, John, you know, John was the one who said, he gave an altar call and said, who, I can't remember the detail. I was, you know, and he came into the, the aisle where we were and, for the first time in my life, I saw a stranger, a man, crying in front of me because he'd been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And before you knew it, I was crying and somehow giving my life to Christ. I, I, did, I did discover after that very quickly that there isn't a perfect church. And, and here's, here, here's a, a quote from somebody who you might know, a guy called Charles Spurgeon. Anybody heard of him? Yeah. 
Charles Spurgeon, I gave a sermon back in 1891, and this is, this is the quote. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment that I did join it, if I had found one, I would have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I'd become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, give themselves to the Lord's people. As I've already said, the church is faulty, but that's no excuse for you not joining it if you are the Lord's. It is incredibly easy to fall into a consumerist approach when it comes to committing to a local church. Really easy. Do I like the worship style? Uh, Is the preaching entertaining enough? Is that church down the street a better fit? What we're doing, though, when when we begin to ask questions like that, is is we're allowing a secular market mindset to influence our spiritual lives. And and without realising it, our faith actually then becomes less and less about knowing uh, and serving God and more about a commu- finding a community that serves me and my desires. As a slight aside, it, it's, it's actually okay to graciously challenge something you feel might not be right in your church. That's okay. But I don't think it's right to leave it just because you disagree with a few things. If you've really captured the heart of what it is to be part of a church family, then just like a healthy family should, you talk about it. You share your heart. And through that, you might see change, which is for the better. But on the flip side, sometimes, again, like in a healthy family, you've got to go with what mum and dad says. You just, you just got to. And that's especially true in a, in a large church setting where the family analogy can start getting a little bit stretched because with a large group of people, you're always going to get those who don't agree and, and, and you, you never move on to actually doing something because you've been an endless cycle of conversation. Now, there's 50 to 60 people that come on a, on a Sunday. It's very few times where you'd actually all agree for legitimate reasons as well. But in a local church... You have got God-positioned people with the gift of leadership that are there to lead the people. It's biblical. It's right in, in, in the Bible. Go look it up. Check it out. So the main point is, rather than trying to, trying to form communities around our own preferences, we must allow ourselves to be formed by God and the people that he has positioned there with us. Let's read the second Bible verse that, that makes my other point here. John 12, verse 25. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world abandons himself to me who, and will find true life and enjoy it forever. <laughs> In this passage, Jesus is telling the crowd that following him requires dying to ourselves, or as it says in the Passion Translation available at about 20 pounds, they must detach themselves from this life, from their life, it says, actually. Now, these are challenging words, aren't they? They're, they're countercultural and they're seemingly not very comforting words when you think about what he's asking you to do in that. Jesus probably lost the crowd after that sermon. What he's saying, what, what he's saying is this. If you love the comforts of this life above all else, you'll miss out of the comforts of eternal life in heaven. This life is not all that there is. 
Let me repeat that. This life is not all that there is. And we as believers especially, we need to live with that eternal perspective in mind. So I posted some on Facebook this morning. Excuse me. It's Andrea Town's birthday today. All right? So Facebook, as it does, brings you memories of past years. And, and one of them was one of our small groups, one of our life groups. Uh, and she had a birthday cake with all the candles in it and what have you. She was smiling. She was lovely. And, and I shared that, but with a, with a quote, something I said. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was like, Andrea, until I see you again. And I really believe that. I don't just think it's a possibility. I genuinely believe I'm going to see Andrea again. I'm going to see all those who have faith and who, who have passed away. I'm going to see them all again. I'm going to, where we're all going to be together. We are, I believe, I've got to believe that. Otherwise, what's the point? You know? So I, believe, I, I look at this life, but with an eternal perspective in mind. So let me ask you this, this, this question. What idols are you placing in front of Jesus? What idols are just obscuring him? When you get asked the question, what do you want to do in life? Do you ever simply say, live for Jesus? I'm not sure that's always at the forefront of my mind. In fact, I can quite confidently say, if anybody's ever said to me, what do you want to do in your life? I've said, live for Jesus. I've come up with some practical things, pragmatic things, things I want to do, see, take part in. Never said, I want to live for Jesus. What about you? Not asking you to respond, just have a little think. Um, And and it's not not a question that I want to make you feel guilty about. I don't want to make you feel guilty in any way, and and, and I'm sorry if you feel that, but it's not. It's just that I want to, to challenge our thinking about where is Jesus? And where is he when we consider ourselves? Is he at the heart of all that we do? Is he at the heart of all the decisions we make? Is his desire for you to be a part of his body, represented by the local church, something that we place any importance on? Is money your idol? Needing to see as many zeros as you can on your payslip. Is hobby your idol? Where meeting your friends or doing that thing takes precedence over attending regularly or serving in the church. There could be a number of other things you can think about there. What I'm saying, look, you, none of those things, those two things, they're not bad. Of course they're not bad. <laughs> uh, making money is a great thing. It's a really good thing. And, and I pray that I pray every single one of you uh, has, has, has more than you need. And, and that you enjoy it. And you can enjoy it. You're able to enjoy it. And that you can relax and, and, and actually bless others with it. I, I, no problem with making money. I think it's fine. Enjoy yourself. Bless others. And hobbies, again, they're great. They're really good. We need places and we need times to relax and enjoy what, what we love doing, don't we? we? We do need those things. But the question is, this is the important question. Do they distract us or pull us away from Jesus and church community? Boom, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Do they pull us away from Jesus and church community? Because we can't always do what we want. We can't always do what we want if it's in the way of embracing Jesus and living out our life according to his ways. Let me read you a couple of those quotes that I've got down here. One's from a guy called Brett McCracken. Um, He actually wrote a book called Uncomfortable, upon which I based this series. 
And he said, following Christ is not one's golden ticket or Western culture dream. It's an invitation to die and pick up a cross. And then C.S. Lewis, in a book published in 1970 called uh, God in the Dock, and he died in 63, so this was a collection of his sayings in this book. He said this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port could do that. (laughs) If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. And he goes, he puts things in such a good way, does C.S. Lewis. But what McCracken and Lewis are both getting at is that it's easy to find basic happiness and comfort. But living the Christian life and being part of a church community requires making sacrifices that might feel uncomfortable. But ultimately, it will help us become more like Jesus. And it's a trade-off that I think is worth it. And here's why I think it's worth it and what that trade-off is. I mentioned earlier that some of my, my, my personal preference of not wanting to be with a bunch of people who had a different perspective of what being a Christian is nearly drove me away from committing to a local church. That is this church. Remember, it's this church. I thought speaking in tongues was something we shouldn't do, and that preference would make me walk away. Not only, like I said, not only you lot, but but my wife-to-be. I think that's a surface-level preference. And one amongst many potentially consumerist choices that stop us from committing, because we're determined to find the perfect church, or as I've said, the church that suits our needs. But there's a deeper level. There's, there's, there's one that involves us choosing to be vulnerable and to be authentic. And that's the one that scares us. It's, that, that, that is beyond just a personal preference now. It scares us because to commit to a local church at that level demands that we allow others into our heart. And as we allow others into our heart, we'll, we'll reveal our less than perfect nature. That our outer shell, as it were, has been broken and people can, can peer inside. And the trade-off for that access, though, is amazing. It's amazing. Because as we let people in, as we let you in, we, we, we allow ourselves to be authentic. And if we're authentic, it means we're relieving pressure to perform. We're relieving a pressure to, to pretend to be someone we're not. We can We can relax. And be who God has made us to be and become who Jesus has seen that we can be, just like the impulsive Peter. When we stop running from people and embrace people with all their idiosyncrasies, we'll become a happier and more joyful people. Have some joyful smiles. Sure, there's, as humans, there's risk. Of course there is. There's, there's, there's a risk of hurt. There's a risk of rejection, even. And there's a, but there's a saying from Shakespeare, which I think is applicable at this point. I think it's Shakespeare. I hope it is. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. So there's a chance that people will hurt us if we let them in. And, and we might even lose some stuff. But if we let Christian and brothers and sisters in, there is so much more to gain. And at this point, I want to remind you that there is, in fact, one person that we can let in fully and know that he will never reject us, never forsake us, and his name is Jesus. The church, 
represented by the local church, is the body of Christ. So if we're the body of Christ, we are connected to the head, which is Christ. And if we all genuinely desire to be more like him, then our chance of hurt and rejection from other parts of the body become less and less. In fact, it should be really quite impossible to hurt one another if we're maturing into Christ as, 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 as called us to be, if we're connected to him. So, for example, how can an eye reject a head or a hand reject a finger? We're all hugely important. Every single one of you is hugely important to the whole. And together, accepting one another, along with the Holy Spirit, we can achieve anything. We, together, we can achieve anything by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Let me conclude and say this. What if we, what if we gave up this idea of, of a dream church? And by that, I don't mean trying to do things better. Because <laughs> I think we, we all need to try and do things better. We all need to, 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 to work at our skills and our talents and our gifts and, 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 and want to present things better and create a, a, you know, an atmosphere. And we, 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 can, we, we can do things better, but that's different from this dream church that doesn't exist. Because that dream church is one where we just want it to satisfy our personal preferences. What if we stopped trying to find fault with our Christian community and instead embraced the discomfort? In order to know God and to be well-known and deeply loved by his people, we've got to reject the consumerist church-hunting mindset and encourage others to do so. That's the thing. I want you to equip your brothers and sisters outside of this environment to, to not do that, to ask God to call them to a place and then commit. But there are always reasons, always very good reasons sometimes why they have to move on, where you have to do other things. But on the whole, too many people move on for for. Silly things, silly personal preferences that really they need to get over. We need to get over them and, and enter into the awkwardness of being part of a community that actually needs more than just our Sunday attendance. Believe me, I think Sundays are amazing. I think the church gathering together for worship and praise, for teaching and all that kind of stuff is completely what Christ wants us to do. It's in scripture, it's right there. But church is obviously beyond just a Sunday morning as well. Because, you know, it's, it's into our workplace, our schools, our colleges, and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, we need to die to our own desires, just like Jesus did. He said, didn't he, can, can this cup be taken from me? It was obviously a human part of him that didn't desire that gruesome death. But what did he say? If it's your will, then yes. If God speaks, say Yes. Because it will always be for your good and those around you. Billy Graham passed away, didn't he, last week? I saw somebody posted a picture of his um, commitment card that he'd signed. If somebody hadn't brought him to church, brought him to church, not knocked on a door looking for a life group, brought him to church, would Billy Graham have become a Christian? It's hypothetical, I know. There could have been other avenues and ways. But ultimately, because of Billy Graham, because of that person actually behind Billy Graham that invited him to church, millions, I would suspect, have come to know who Christ is and, are now, and, and who now have an eternal perspective that is theirs. So my challenge, I guess, and I was saying this to these guys the other day, can you invite one person to church this year? I mean, don't just, 
invite them once and invite them again and again until they come. Just let them experience the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, of his people worshipping, and see what happens in their life. Commit to doing that and see what happens. And you never know who that person might turn out to be, what difference they might make in the kingdom. Something beyond your wildest dreams and imaginings. You just never know. And um, I'm going to dig into the example of Jesus and what, what he did, this, this death on the cross, the next time that I speak. But I want to end with this letter that I found online from somebody that, that you might know, actually. Let me read it to you. Hello. My name is Church. I'm sure you've heard a lot about me. Um, I've no shortage of critics, uh, but perhaps you've heard that I'm, um, I'm boring, I'm shallow, I'm cheap, a, a waste of time. You might have heard that I'm full of hypocrites and, and clowns and greedy people and the self-righteous. Maybe, maybe you've visited me before and, and you've discovered horrible music, passionless singing, dry preaching, rude congregants. Maybe you, you needed me and, and then I was, I was too busy, too righteous, too broke, too blind. Maybe you joined me and, 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 and found that, that I, was, I was distant, that, that I was demanding, I was dull, I was preoccupied. Maybe you, you, you tried to serve in me and, and, and you were caught off guard by, by business meetings, by committees, teams and bureaucracy. Maybe, maybe you left and were surprised that nobody called, cared, noticed, invited you back. Perhaps your experience has driven you to speak negatively of me, swear to never come back to me, proclaim that no one needs me, and perhaps actually you're better off without me. And if this is true, I have something to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was wrong. I blew it. I made a big mistake. But remember, I never said that my name was perfect. Flawless, complete, arrived. My name is Church, and, and, I, and I welcome the hypocrite, the dry, the self-righteous, and the, and the shallow. I welcome the sincere, the passionate, the forgiving, the selfless. I, I can't shut my doors to the people who make you angry, uncomfortable, impatient, self-conscious. I would remind you that we couldn't always worship in the same room. In, in the Old Testament, there was a division between the Gentile, the Jew, and the man and the woman. In order for us to all to worship in the same room, Christ was shamed, beaten, killed, resurrected. Which is far worse than being bored, uncomfortable, embarrassed, ignored. So why not come back to church? And let all of those messed up people challenge you, sharpen you, strengthen you, humble you. I can't promise that the people will be great. <laughs> uh, this is church. It's, it's not heaven. It's not paradise. It's not the celestial city. Come back. God wants you here. The body needs you here. The world needs your witness here. You belong here. Hello.
My name is Church. I miss you. I love you. I'm sorry. Can't wait to see you. Why don't we stand? You think I'm going to pray, don't you? But I'm going to say this first. I want to personally thank you all for being in my life. Whether you've been here for two minutes or 30 years, I want to thank you for the influence you've had in this church community. Because whether you know me well or not know me too well at all, by you connecting and communicating and being engaged with others in this church, you somehow affect who I am. A wall looks pretty stupid with a bit missing, doesn't it? So if we're living stones together, being built together, then every one of us relies on the other. You have a brick, two bricks, and a brick on top, otherwise they would topple. So I want to thank you. And I would like you now, if it's okay, you're going to be a bit uncomfortable. Just start to turn to the people behind you, front next to you, and why don't you just give them thanks for being who they are, who they are in your life, even if they're not actually in your life, but they are because of the people that you know that are connected to them, that are connected to them. Could we go and do that? All right, let me say this to you guys. I know I'm interrupting some conversation already, and that's another reason why I love you, because you can natter for England. If I can just say to you guys, what a, isn't that a lovely thing that you've just done? Isn't it make you feel connected, engaged? You invite that one person to church this year, this is what they will encounter. And as they encounter this, they will encounter Christ in all other areas of their life. All right? So challenge yourself, one person, invite them to church. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.